Well, as we get to today's message, I just want to kind of go back over what we've been doing. As we've looked before Bethlehem, you know, it's like Jesus doesn't show up in the Old Testament and say, hello, I'm Jesus, right? He wasn't named Jesus until Bethlehem. And so where have we seen him? We've seen him in these things called theophanies. And theophanies are this theological word that means manifestations of God that is tangible to the human senses. Theophany. And specifically, we would say these are more Christophanies. They're actually the appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ, Jesus. These Christophanies that we see. And we've been looking at these Christophanies in the Old Testament before Bethlehem, and the first week we looked and saw that Jesus was the Word. John tells us in his gospel that in the beginning was the Word, and, with, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And he's talking about Jesus. And God said, and God said, it was through Jesus Christ that everything was created. And last week, Pastor Dan was here, and he got to hold up this cool sword and, and shield and talk about Jesus as the commander. And we looked at the story of Joshua and his army, and that this commander from God shows up and says, I'm in charge. And we see that he receives worship, and we see that he is the pre-incarnate Christ, this commander that is battling with these evil forces and has continued to battle them on our behalf throughout history. And today we're going to look at another one of these Christophanies. We're going to look Jesus as a rock. And I'm like, Dan gets a sword and a shield, and I get a rock. <laughs> so before we go there and do the heavy lifting in Scripture, let's uh, pray, if you would. Father in heaven, we gather this morning in the name of Jesus. And we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are the true one and only living God. Father, we pray this morning that your glory would be revealed. I pray that I would do nothing to obscure that glory. I pray that you would come in this time and minister to us, that you would teach us, reveal yourself to us in your word. And we ask this in Jesus' wonderful and holy name. Amen. Well, let me ask you this question. I'm going to start this way. Have you ever said this to someone? Don't make the same mistake I made. You ever said that to anybody? Maybe you said it to a child, right? Maybe you said it to your son who's getting married and say, son, wait till you've been married at least 20 years before you give your wife a vacuum and it'll take that long before she can really appreciate a gift like that. You don't want to do that in your first couple years of marriage. Or maybe you say to a, a friend that you say, you know, I've had this guy's class before and you never want to do this in his class. Or you said to a teammate, you know, just to give you a heads up, coach hates this. Do not go there. Or maybe you're the other guy that says, you know, the coach loves to be called by his first name. You should, you should do that. <laughs> right? Or maybe you said to your your boyfriend that you really like, hey, when you come and meet my parents for the first time, do not tell them you're a Packers fan. Let's wait. That didn't turn out well for the last guy. So let's just wait a while until they really begin to like you before you do that. Or maybe you tell yourself something. Maybe you've done something in the past and there's these sort of markers in your life and you're going, I'm never doing that again. And you can think of that instance. You can see that moment that you've said, 
I'm going to make sure I never do that again. Right? But sometimes you need these physical reminders. I need these reminders. I need physical reminders. And I have one in my house. And I didn't make it, but I could have. Right? It's this sign that's up in my kitchen that I put up that says what she really means, five cautionary words. And there are these five words that describe what your wife says, but what you hear, but no, what she really means. And it's like I put this up there because I've learned a lesson, and I don't want to forget this lesson, and I can live through every one of them, but the one I wanted to share with you this morning was this one. That's always a reminder to me. This, go ahead, right? This is a dare, not permission. Do not do it. <laughs> I can hear Terry's voice in my head as I say it. Go ahead. And my advice to you this morning, men in the room, that's the opportunity for you to say, when you say go ahead, what is it that you really mean? It's a time to ask clarifying questions. It's not permission. Don't do it. Every time I see that, I'm reminded of the mistakes I've made in the past. And so we need these reminders because we're forgetful and we continue to make the same mistakes. Even when we're warned not to. That's what Paul's telling us this morning in this text. As we look and begin to explore what God means about Jesus being the rock, Paul's teaching us this morning, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 1, where Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's saying to them, don't make the same mistakes your ancestors made. He says to the church at Corinth, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact I want you to have all this information so that you don't make the same mistakes that they did. Brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. He says they all passed through under the cloud, through the sea. God had rescued the children out of Egypt the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He sent Moses. Moses goes and he rescues the children and he brings them out. And they pass through the Red Sea and we're told that they pass through under the cloud, which is God. And the cloud of God and the pillar of fire are representations of God going with them. All of them pass through the Red Sea under his protection. All of them ate from the spiritual food. They grumbled and complained that they didn't have anything to eat. And God gives them manna to eat in the morning, this spiritual bread that comes from heaven that shows up every morning. And in the evening, he sends quail, meat to eat. And we're told that he gives them water to drink, and he does this all 40 years that they are in the desert. God provides for them, all of them. And then he goes on to say, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, this rock that went with them, and that rock was Christ. Maybe you're like me, you're going, wait, what? Jesus is a rock? What does he mean? Where does he get this idea that Jesus was this rock that followed them? Where does that come from? Well, to understand more about that this morning, we need to turn back 
into the scriptures. We need to go back to a time of God instituting the festivals in the with the children of Israel, and specifically to this festival, the festival of tabernacles, or called Sukkot. It's a time in the Jewish calendar during the seventh month of the Jewish calendar, which for us would be somewhere around September or October, that they would celebrate this festival after the harvest. God institutes festivals as reminders of what God has done. Reminders so that they would not forget what he has done for them. Each of the festivals were instituted as reminders and appointments Appointments that God made with the children of Israel that he would come down and be with them. And if you turn to Leviticus chapter 23, you'll see a list of festivals. It starts with this first festival, which is the Sabbath that he sets aside, that it's a holy convocation that they're to keep every Sabbath, that God has set an appointment to be with them every Sabbath. And we see the three major festivals are all around the harvest. Passover, Pentecost, and Sukkot. And so it's at the end of this third festival that the rainy season would come. And God tells them the instructions about how they are to celebrate this festival. If you turn with me to Leviticus chapter 23, starting in verse 33, I'd like to read to you some of the things that God says to Moses. He says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days, present food offerings to the Lord, and on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is the closing special assembly do no regular work. And if you follow with me to verse 43, 42 and 43, he says, live in temporary shelters. Set up these temporary tabernacles. Set up and live in these temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. This festival, all of the festivals, were to be a reminder to the Israelites that it was the Lord, their God, that brought them up out of Egypt. They lived under his shelter. They lived under his protection, his providence. They were never to forget that. They were to continue to celebrate this festival so that generation after generation after generation would be reminded of what God had done for them. What God had done for them in the desert. What God had done for them by bringing them up out of Egypt. And one of those stories is captured in Exodus chapter 17. See, when they came up out of Egypt, they were celebrating until they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was behind them. And then they started grumbling that you brought us out here to die, Moses. You brought us out here to die. We could have died in Egypt. And God parts the Red Sea and they go to the other side, but that doesn't stop their grumbling. 
They keep grumbling because they're hungry and there's no food. And God provides manna and God provides quail. But here in this story, they've come to this desert and they're saying, there's no water to drink. What are you going to do? And in fact, it says they grumbled against Moses. And that word grumble there is just like that. They're just grumbling against it. But here's the other thing. They said they, he, they quarreled with him. And that word quarrel is really an indication that they're bringing a suit against him. They're putting him on trial. They're saying, you brought us out here to die, not only us, but our children and our livestock. We're going to bring you up on charges. And we're going to stone you to death for bringing us out here. And Moses is freaked out, and he goes to God. And he says, what am I to do with these people? What am I to do with them? They're going to kill me. They're going to stone me. There's no water to drink. What should I do? And these are God's words to Moses. He says, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. Now think about this for a moment. God's telling Moses, Moses is grumbling to God. And he tells the Israelites, the, people, the person you're really grumbling against is God. But now Moses is grumbling before God. And God says, this is what you need to do. You need to take that staff, that rod that you struck the Nile with, pronounce God's judgment on Pharaoh. I want you to take that rod, that staff, and go before the people. What do you think is going through Moses' mind at that point? He's going to bring God's judgment on his people. But that's not what God does. God says, no, we're going to meet their needs. We're going to provide water for the people. We see God's love and provision for his people in the midst of their grumbling. God is providing for his children. And they remember that. Now, this word rock that you see here doesn't really mean kind of a rock this size. It's more of this idea of a cliff, of like bedrock, this outcropping of huge rocks from the side of a hill. That would be the meaning that you get out of this Hebrew word. It's also the meaning you get out of the Greek word that Paul uses. But Paul says this rock accompanied them throughout their whole 40-year travel throughout the desert. So how could a rock this size, a cliff, follow them. Unless he wasn't really talking about a physical rock. Maybe he was talking about Jesus. Whatever he was saying, he was saying that God provided for them. And what he's really saying, it was Jesus that provided them that water. And they continued to celebrate this festival year after year after year, and in Jesus' day, they celebrated this festival, the Festival of Tabernacles. And what they would do is they would start at the temple, and the high priest would gather a pitcher, and he would go down into the, to the pool of Siloam, and they would dip out the water, and they would travel back up to the temple, and they would pour this water out on the steps. As the children of Israel, as the priests led them in song, Songs found in Psalm chapter 113 through 118, the great Hillel. 
and they would be praising God, remembering what God did for their ancestors in the desert and what God would do for them now. And as they poured out the water there on the steps, they're praying, bring the rain, O God, bring the rain. And we read these words from Psalm 118 that they would have been singing there at the temple. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteousness shall enter through it. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Give us prosperity. Bring the rain. O God, bring the rain. And water we see in the Old Testament is also this figure for the Holy Spirit. And they're praying, bring the Holy Spirit. Bring the Holy Spirit. Bring the Messiah, Lord. Bring the rain. Bring the rain. And the Apostle John tells us that on one of these festivals, on the last and greatest day of the Festival of Tabernacles, as the children of Israel are crying, bring the rain, O God, bring the rain. Jesus stands up in the midst of them as they're all shouting out, and he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. If anyone believes in me, rivers of living water will flow out from that person's heart, as the scriptures say. Jesus stands up in a loud voice and says, I am the rock. I am the one that gave water to your ancestors. I am the one that provided the spiritual food and the spiritual water from which they drank. I am the rock. I am the one that can quench your thirst. They're praying for physical sustenance. They're praying for all these things that provide them comfort. They're thinking back to a time when Israel was the nation in charge, and they're praying that they would be in charge again. And Jesus shows up and says, what you're praying for is the wrong thing. It will never, ever come to be, and it will never satisfy the hunger in your belly. The only thing that will satisfy that hunger is me. That hole in your heart, that hole in your stomach that you're trying to fill with material things can only be filled by the spiritual water that Jesus has to give. Jesus says, I am the living water. Come to me. I am the rock. What a bold claim. And we're told that they grumbled against him. And they plotted to kill him. Again, they would put God on trial. Because they did not want to accept what God had for them. It wasn't enough. Jesus is saying, I am the true rock. I am the living water. I alone can quench your thirst. 
And so God wanted to make sure that these children going through the desert would never forget, that the generations coming after them would never forget. And he gave them this warning, as we see in Deuteronomy. He says, don't forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. He says, when you eat all you want and build nice houses and live in them, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, when you have more of everything, then your heart will become proud. You will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt where you were slaves. He gave you water from a solid rock and manna to eat in the desert. He did this to take away your pride and to test you so that things would go well for you in the end. You might say to yourself, I am rich because of my own power and strength, but remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to be rich. These words are written for the church at Corinth and they're written for us today. Then when we have eaten and we have become satisfied and we live in a land of prosperity and we have everything that we need, do not forget the Lord your God. Because every good thing you have comes from him. The Bible doesn't say that stuff is bad. In fact, think about the children of Israel when they come up out of Egypt. God gives them plunder from the Egyptians, silver and gold. It's not the stuff that's bad. It's what you make of the stuff. And what they had done is made these things of this world, their power, their wealth, the most important things. They did exactly what God told them not to do. And Paul is standing at the church at Corinth and the church here in Lyle, and he's saying, don't make the same mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes they did. This Christmas, as you gather around the tree in your home, don't let the number of presents, the lack thereof or the abundance thereof, lead you the trust in these things. Rather, it is the Lord your God who is the provider of all of these things. Do not forget that where you live, what you eat, the air you breathe are all gifts from the rock, from the one true God who gives all good gifts he gives us these things to meet our physical needs, but he also does so that we're reminded that he is the one that truly quenches all of our thirsts. It's only in him that we are truly satisfied. So Paul says, don't be ignorant. Don't forget. He goes on to say that now these things that occurred they all occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on the evil things as they did. Don't make the same mistakes they made. That's not easy, is it? Living in this land of milk and honey. It's not easy. So we need to be reminded daily 
spending time in his word where the true water of life exists. We need to gather here together weekly to be reminded that it is the Lord your God who has given you all of these things. Because if we consider ourselves better than these Israelites, that we're smarter and we know more, then I think we fool ourselves. Because history is replete with people who thought they knew better. It is the Lord our God who gives us everything. And Paul reminds us this morning, don't forget it. Don't make the same mistake. And so Jesus stands at this festival this morning. And he says, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And out of that person will flow living water. You see, this water is not just for you and I. It's for others that are traveling through this desert land. Who are trying to satisfy their thirst with the things of this land. Who are trying to find purpose and meaning in life from the things that have been created, not from the one who created them. And so we come and keep drinking from his water, from his word, from his table. So that that living water will flow out into this world. So that we would go and share that water with a thirsty world. And so Jesus says, come, all who are thirsty. You know, Sundays are a festival to remember that God has made an appointment with us, to meet with us, so that we would be reminded of his provision. But not only that festival, we celebrate another festival each and every week. This festival of the Lord's table that we call Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, is another festival that Jesus himself instituted. That he came to his disciples and instituted this meal so that they would never forget and that they would tell generation after generation what God had done for them. That God brought us up out of the land of slavery to sin. In the waters of our baptism, we were separated from that cruel master. And after that time, he has given us spiritual food to eat and spiritual drink to consume, to sustain us through the desert. Because Jesus says, this isn't the promised land. The promised land is yet to come. But in the meantime, I have provided for you this meal as a reminder of my provision, but also the power to live that life. So that night that Jesus was betrayed, Matthew tells us that he took bread in the meal. Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. And in the same way after supper, we're told by Matthew that he takes this cup of wine. And when he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine 
from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. At the true greatest festival that's yet to come. In this meal, we not only receive bread and wine, we receive the true Christ, the true risen Lord. We receive the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ exactly as he says we do. For our spiritual sustenance, to quench that thirst, to remind us of the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ, to be empowered to live this life on earth so that living water would flow from us into this dry and weary land. God has always been about restoring this world. And he's chosen us, his children, to bring that restoration to this land. And he's given us spiritual food and spiritual drink to assist us along the way, to empower us along the way so that the world would know that Jesus is Lord, that he is the author of life and the sustainer of life. I pray that you know that and this Christmas season, living water would flow through you into this dry and weary land. Would you pray with me?